Scorch the Fears, episode 21 with Matt Beard. This is sick, guys. This is something special. I've been meaning to get this guy on for a while. I know he's super busy, like, running, like, the whole organization, <laughs> the whole sub organization. I, like, I, like, know you're, like, the acquisition side of, like, American home offers and all of that type of stuff. So that must take a ridiculous amount of your time. And, guys, also for anybody who's watching... It's his son's birthday, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do like a slow clap for that, like right here that it's son's birthday. <laughs> to still willing to come on, um, so I appreciate you, man. Thank you for being here. Oh, dude, I love it. Like I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Number one, like, this was I think you like initially asked me. Gosh, I feel like it was like th four or five months ago. Mm -hmm. You just have so many guests come on the show. And you're like, yeah, dude, I like to have you back, but you're gonna have to wait a couple months now. I'm like, all right, <laughs> all right, cool, no worries. But dude, I'm excited. Thanks for having me. Like I said, uh, it was really cool. Like we were all busy. Like we're all busy. There's no, there's no one who's like, I'm just, I'm, you know, I just got so much going on. We all got a lot going on, which is exciting because that's when you know you're surrounded by a bunch of winners is when everyone's right. busy. So you know, between start virtual and the real estate business and all the things like. This is important. You know, I think that was one of the coolest things about we were just talking about Vegas. That was the coolest thing is just seeing other folks. So thank you for uh, thank you for having me, man. Yeah, man. And I wanted to promote you as much as I can, just because I know you've got some cool stuff happening. But before we get into all that, I'm going to turn the clock backwards, as I always do, and always ask the the Steve Trang classic question. How did you get into real estate? Yeah. So, uh, well, great question. I love this question. I, I see it on his show. I'm like, yeah, I love it. Um, but for me, uh, real estate was something that I kind of dabbled with when I was in high school. Um, I was 18. Uh, it was right after 2000, uh, 2008. This was 2010 at the time. Um, that's dating myself here, but that's when I graduated. And uh, I, that was my job. I didn't have a normal job. I wasn't working like a drive through or working in food or anything. I worked with my mom, who was a real estate broker, and she would send me out on what's called broker price opinions. And I was go, I would go out and take pictures of these beat down houses and people who left them in shambles after they got foreclosed on. Um, and I would get paid like twenty dollars for every house I went and took pictures on. Right. Never so I'd be like, let's just do a bunch of them. Let's take a bunch of pictures. Yeah, I wanted, you know, that's how I made all my money for the Wait, weekend. When when was this? This was two thousand ten. Is that what you said? Yeah, two thousand ten. Yeah. Yeah, two thousand ten. That that was like when all the houses were because 2008 is when it started but 2010 was when it was really like oh like here's all the houses type of thing right yes there okay. was yeah big massive wave and like for me it was awesome because like the the banks kept ordering like countrywide and um all these other places they were ordering a ton of these orders and that's how i got paid that's how i went to you know you know went out on the weekends or went to college football games like it was the money i was making doing these things so right um I got it doing that. And the cool thing about that was like when I was 18, it was in South Carolina. So the properties are different, obviously, in Arizona. But these little broker where, where, where in South Carolina? I'm from um, outside of Columbia. I'm from Lexington. Okay. Yep. So I was doing these reports. And the cool thing about them is they're like mini appraisals, right? You have to pull three active comps and three sole comps because the bank wants to know basically what that what the house is worth. What is their asset worth, Right. Um, so I got pretty decent in evaluating deals. Um, but when I moved out to Arizona, I was chasing, becoming, you know, playing division one football. That's the only thing I wanted to do. Uh, and I walked on to ASU, which was like one of my biggest dreams when I transferred to Arizona state. Um, and, but after everything was said and done and after college was done, I was like, I want to get back into real estate. 
and um, I became an so appraiser. Wait, slow down, slow down for a second. So you were mm -hmm. taking photos right when you graduated high school. Yeah. Then you went to college, just normal college, wasn't doing that much in real estate. And then you got back into it. Is that what you're saying? I just want to make sure I got it right. You got it, brother. So okay. um, after we graduated, like I, I got a, just a normal job. I met my wife at the gym. We work, both worked at a gym. Nice. Um, but I, you know, I wanted to get back into the commission world, but I didn't know what like the best way to do it was. Um, and I remember back to when I was taking photos for the the bank, and obviously the times had changed by this point. But I wanted to get back into the evaluation because that's what I was comfortable with. I'm like, cold calling, never gonna do it. You know, I see all these salespeople, these real estate agents. They're like, they go really hard in the paint on prospecting. I'm like, that's not me. I don't want to be that person. You've uh, never so cold called before. Never. What was, it was just, wait, 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 I'm curious. Like what was, so it was, what was the reason you just like, it's not worth it or. Well, I put my, I thought I was better than cold calling. I was like, uh, I can't, okay. or like, you know, I was like, I don't want to sit on a dialer. Whatever my excuse was, it was BS completely, right. complete BS. Um, but I just didn't <laughs> want to, at the end of the day, I just didn't want to do it. Or right. I say this like, man, I just didn't want it bad enough at the time. Maybe. Right. Um, Cause I knew the easy way out at that point was like, I'm going to do appraisals. Right. And I'm gonna get paid $400 per order and I can do 10 of those a week. And that's four grand a week. And that's great money. Right. right. Um, but the challenge with appraisals are, is like, you can only do so many, right. You get to a point where you are capped, right. Like you, like literally by the workload, unless you go and hire a bunch of, you know, apprentice appraisers, like there's only so much you can do. Um, and I, I did that back in like 2017, 2018, um, but heading into 2019, I was like, you know what, if I want my life to change, if I want to take like a massive shift up, I knew I needed to get into sales aspect of real estate. So I thought the only way to do that was becoming a real estate agent. So let me, let me interrupt. Cause I, this is what yep. I do is I interrupt and get really Dude, deep it. into one moment this, this of it. Big. So you're an appraiser. Mm -hmm. You're having this feeling you need more. Is that what it is? Like what's inspiring this or what moment made you switch to being like, wait, I at least I need to do something different. Like what? Like, tell me how that part started. Um, the moment was for sure. Like I was ready to like scale up my life. Right. Mm -hmm. At that point, I had the basic necessities. I had a wife. We hadn't had any kids yet. And I just remember, you know, like we wanted to do more things. But it's funny because I was just looking literally before this, like yesterday, I was going back on all my previous bank statements, just checking out. I like doing that from time to time to see how much things. Doing it for the podcast, being like, man, just in case Jonah asked me, how rich am I? Well, no, <laughs> I, like, I want to go back and just like think back to like, okay, you know, it puts things in perspective. And the funny thing was, it didn't oh, from back then, from back like then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah I, I, I went back like to 2017, 2018. Oh, and gotcha. I was like, and it was interesting because. Like no matter how much money I made, I found a way to spend it in certain places. And like my life kind of stayed the same. I made more money and then the expenses kind of rose with that. Right. And I kept mm -hmm. the same amount in my bank account. I made more money or stayed the same. And I was spending the same amount of money. I'm like, that's so crazy. You know, and at some point you just have to decide for yourself that this isn't all that it's going to be, you know, and for me personally, I was like, you know, I had that arbitrary goal of being a millionaire before I was 30 and all this other stuff. Right. Um, and I was like, well, this is, is never going to happen with me doing it this way. Right. You know? I so, want to also talk about, you were talking there for a second. I think this is a really common problem with entrepreneurs. And I think a lot of, especially wholesalers, because I think this is one of the biggest things that differentiates wholesalers or just 
W2 people, like from when it's like a job to when it's a business, I think one of the most common problems that people have is what you were talking about, where they make a huge check. I'm not, I know you were saying you're doing appraisals, but they'll make like a huge check, like, I don't know, a 60K deal. And then they're out for like three months out in freaking Hawaii or whatever comes back is like, Oh, I've spent all that money. Now <laughs> didn't save any for taxes, whatever. Now we got to do it again. I'm going to get back to work. Yeah. And then they're like, <laughs> business is like breaking up and stuff. I know you were, that wasn't when you were wholesaling, but, but it's still the truth though. Nonetheless, right. I think breaking finance, bad financial habits is a big thing and we don't even realize it. Like the, the habits of our parents and the people before us are giving us direction. Like no one teaches us these things mm -hmm. and it's on us to figure out like, how do we really become wealthy? Because even like, I never got that knowledge from my family or anything. Cause naturally I pick up their spending habits and the things that they do, right? You make some money, you spend the money, you make some money, you spend the money. It was funny because when I was looking back at these statements, there was one month that I knew when everything changed for me is when I got, I sold my first house as a traditional real estate agent and I made like nine grand as a commission. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, let's do it. Like, let's, let's do more of this. Like, this is great. Let's scale it up. And that's when I started doing, I still do it. I still wouldn't cold call. I was doing ringless voicemail drops to Fizbo's and then I they would it. call me back. And then I was taking those phone calls. Uh, but the funny thing was I found a way to spend all of that money, not within a couple months. I spent all the money I made on that commission within the next 30 days on marketing and doing all this yeah. ridiculous stuff. Right. Okay. So like, at that point, I was like, okay, something's got to, I got to break these habits. And this was, mm -hmm. again, it's not even that long ago. This is three years ago, right? I guess going on four years. But like, I think for a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of people who are, are business owners, it's not necessarily like, are you willing to do the work? It's like, will you implement better habits? Will you, like you, we are creatures of habit. Like, will you change the things that you do to, to level up and become a better version of yourself? Right. right? And what, what advice do you have? Out. What advice do you have for somebody who like, is trying to break those habits, but like they were, it was ingrained in them from that, like from my childhood and from family. Cause I have my own stuff mm -hmm. that I'll, I can get into, but it's not exactly this one. Mine was more like, I was always scared of spending money. Like my family was always like, you could, uh, apocalypse could happen tomorrow. Make sure you have <laughs> way more than you need. Right. 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 But right. what is your advice for somebody who's trying to break these habits they got from their parents? I think it's a couple of things. I think number one, you gotta, you gotta like level up the people that are around you. Right. So you mm -hmm. start expecting more and you start seeing people who have great financial habits, or maybe they have the things that you want. Right. And you got to vet these people. We got to make sure that they're actually doing the things they talk about, but like making sure you're elevating your, your five, the five people who are around you. Are they, do they live the life that you want to live? Are they great money managers? Do they, do they live with discipline? Right. Like that stuff is important. So surrounding yourself with people who just expect more because they're going to expect more out of you. Right. And they're going to push you. And then the second thing is investing in yourself. So personal development is very important. Um, a book that I liked um, was Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harvey. Yeah, I've heard that like five times. Like literally when I ask people, that's one of the questions I usually ask. And I've heard that like five episodes now. So I'm, I'm literally getting it after this. Right. It's, it's amazing because it's like it's not just like the knowledge in the book. And it talks about the paradigms that we have from our parents and stuff. But most importantly, it actually gives you strategies of how to actually invest your money or like how to like organize your personal bank accounts and, you know, strategize from when a dollar comes in 
where does that dollar go? Like, how do you allocate that dollar amongst multiple accounts? So, um, and just creating better financial habits instead of like, you know, having a bunch of money, because if your money, there's a, there's a saying that Cody says, and so true, if your money doesn't have a home, it will find a home. Right. Ooh, if you don't have somewhere, I like it, that. It'll, it'll find somewhere. Right. I really like that. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So keep going with your story. I kept interrupting. So no, you're no, no. appraiser. So, yeah. So like, so I, I was, a, I was an appraiser. Um, and then I, I realized, like I said, I, I needed to get into sales to kind of, because when I say I needed to get into sales, I see some of my friends like Cody Barton and some of the mm -hmm. other folks that have been in my world for a little while. I see some of the checks that they're getting with sales. And I'm like, dude, I need to get over myself. Right. Like, right. I'm, you know, like I'm like, I can't do this or I won't do this unless I have like a extremely crazy external stimuli to make me want to get on the phones and talk to people. Um, so I got into sales. I, I had a mentor at the time. He was like, yeah, I got to do some open houses, right? Do open houses on Saturday and Sunday and, and call for sale by owners and smile and dial and do all this. I'm like, I don't want to do that. Um, but like I said, I got to the point where um, luck, circumstance, whatever, it was a, a client of mine who I did was a personal trainer for. They're like, hey, Matt, I see you're in real estate now um, from what you're posting on Instagram. Like, could you help us sell our house? I'm like, sure. Right. And then from that, that's where I got my first commission. I made like nine grand. Nice. And I was like, okay, this is so much better than, you know, killing myself over all these appraisal reports, driving all over the valley. So that's when I started to like say, okay, well, how can I systemize this in a way? I spent all my money the next month on marketing, learned a ton of lessons. That's when I hired my first virtual assistant was after that. I had a, I hired a VA to help me cold call for sell by owners and expireds. To set me up appointments. It was actually pretty good. I paid way more than what I should have. Um, but one of those VAs that I had calling for to set up listing appointments, he's now he became one of my lead managers. He now does acquisitions and he's one of the trainers that start virtual. So like oh, nice. Yeah. So it actually worked out okay, but like I didn't account for the cash flow issues of like waiting for that next deal to close as a real estate agent of going through inspections and appraisers and all like appraisals and all this stuff. Um so I learned that lesson for sure. But like I did go from zero listings to listing a friend of mine's house to getting 10 listings within like 40 days. Right. Whoa. How'd that happen? From That's huge from that. Right. From like I made the money and I'm like, all right, cool. I think I got this little thing down. I'm going to do RBMs of Fizbo's. They're going to set appointments. I'm going to go on listing appointments. And that's when I naturally I found out that I can actually like talk to people. Right. I didn't have to like fake. I didn't have to do anything. I know how to talk to people. My value proposition at that time was. Hey, let me show you what it looks like if we work together and I can help you sell your house. I and mean, that's amazing. Thing, that's like know, a good accomplishment for an agent. Ten, what was it? 10 in 40 days? Yeah, 10 in 40 days. Damn, mm -hmm. nice. Yeah, so like that that was the scale-up process there. And, um, you know, like my mentor at the time was like, oh, dude, that's, that's really cool. And, you know, like I was like, all right, maybe I, I, need to, I need to start expecting more out of myself. And the interesting thing is like, the only difference between being an agent and a wholesaler in real estate investing world is your value proposition changes. Like as long as you can talk to people, like as an agent, I'm, I'm asking, you know, like what it looks like to, to, for us to work together as like me selling your house. As a wholesaler, it's like, I am your buyer. So let's talk about what this looks like working together. So it's just the value proposition that changes. Um, and after scaling it to like 11, list, 11 listings in that short period of time, that 10 and 40 days, I... Um, I got to the point where I was like, dude, this is a, a whole lot of work because with a listing, it's not just the listing agreement that gets signed, right? There's a lot that goes into that. There's a whole lot that goes into it. Like I got to 
okay, I got this listing agreement signed. I said that I can help you sell your house at this point. Now I got to go do the paperwork. I got to get ready for MLS. I got to get listing photos. I got to get this scheduled in for the house. Hey, when can I get people to walk the house? Do you, mm-hmm. you guys want to like be at like all the little things in the background? And then you're, you're dealing with folks who want to sell their house. Like I could sell it for 320 and they're like, yep, I want 360. Matt, can you help me sell it for 360? Cause I have another agent says they will list it for me for 360. You know, oh, so like the worst. that's the stuff you deal with. And like you end up becoming a therapist for every single one of these people. Right. It's like you're having the conversations or calling me at 10 p.m. at night because I'm their point of contact trying to provide a good service. Um, and I hated it. I absolutely I did not like it because I was like, I want to make that money. Right. But I, I don't like I need something that's a little bit easier to, to systemize and scale outside of me having to go get more agents under me, buyers, agents, listing agents, all these things. Um, and I end up shutting off that real estate, the listing business, the real estate agent business after only doing it for three months, because I just hated it so much. I shut it off for a month. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife and I, we went to, uh, to Europe. We went to like, we did a little Europe trip for like three weeks. Um, and on that trip, I read a book. It was called, cause I was learning about wholesaling this whole time. And I had reached out to Pace on one of my listings. I'm like, Hey Pace, I got a listing for you. And he was talking about subject too. And how like, did you, how did you hear about Pace? I'm just curious. Yeah. So, um, so Cody, I knew Cody from years past and oh, I saw you know Cody. Um, so Cody and I met when we were doing Vima together. That's back the in MLM. Yep. Yeah. It was MLM. We, I did that back in, I don't know, was that 2016, 2017, something like that. For people who don't know, I'm going to just explain. Cause some people that I have maybe like my mom and dad who don't know sub two at all, <laughs> who are like, so for the people who do watch this and don't understand what it is, Pace Morby is like the visionary CEO of sub two. And then Cody Barton is kind of the guy behind the scenes. Who's the integrator. And they partnered up 2018, something like that. I think, I don't remember when it was. I think late 2018. So when I, when I got introduced to Cody, they were still like in that dating phase. They weren't officially partners yet. They still owned that, uh, home investors franchise. Okay. Um, and I was like, Hey Cody, like, I know you're doing, I see what you're doing with, uh, with wholesaling. I heard about it. Like, tell me more about it. And I started learning a little bit and I had some interesting deals. And then, um, I just remember calling Cody with one of these listings that I had. And this guy was giving me a super hard time. I'm like, it might just be easier. Let me call one of my investor friends. So this is before I shut the business off. Okay. Now, let, me, let me call one of my, let me, let me call one of my investor friends and see what they can do. And I remember calling Cody and he's like, yeah, they might be able to do something like, it's this thing that we just started learning about. Like we're going to like potentially like we could like take over their mortgage and we could give you some cash for bringing us the deal. And I hear a pace in the back. It's like, I'll give you 2,500 bucks. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And, and then I'm like, uh, 25. I'm, I'm like, uh, Cody, can you do five grand? And then pace hops on the phone. It's not a deal for anyone else. $2,500 is all you're going to get. I'm like, Oh my God. That's so funny. That's such a funny introduction. Yeah, that, that's how I met Pace for the first time. So uh, at that point, I was like, okay, I got in, I, you know, got introduced to Pace, got introduced to Cody, and I was like, well, you know what? I gotta, I'm shutting everything down because I'm traveling to Europe anyways. And then you know, I don't really know if I really want to stay in this the real estate agent business. I see a lot of what you guys are doing with fix and flips, and you know, he was posting some of the stuff he was doing with Pace. Um, and I'm like, man, I, I kind of want to do some more like on that end, because that just seems like so much more fun being the buyer instead of getting beat up on my real estate commission and people want me to list their house for 1%. Right. 
right? Um, so we went to Europe, and while I was there, I read a book. It was called The One Thing, right, by Gary Keller. Incredible book. And I think it is great depending on where you're at in your life, right? That book would be really hard to apply to what we have going on now because we're managing multiple businesses, right? And in the book, the basic premise is decide on one thing that you want to do. What is the mm-hmm. one thing that you can do today that's going to move, move the needle for that one thing that you're hoping to accomplish? And just doing that every single day. Like now across multiple businesses, it's more like, okay, what's the one thing I can do today that will help start virtual? What's the one thing I could do today that will help the real estate business? What's the one thing I could do today to help this, right? Um, but like that book was was awesome. I remember finishing it. And because at that time, I wasn't sure if I was going to just continue the real estate and agent business as just traditional or switch over. But after I read it, I knew for sure that I was going to get into wholesaling. And that was like July 29th. I have like my little my journal here. And I remember writing in today is my first day of, you know, starting my real estate investing business. Wow. Yeah. I love that. And do you, yeah. you know the date? Yeah, it was, it was uh, July 29th, 2019. I love that. That's so powerful. I have, I did that too. I remember like something similar. I would, I, I think I wrote down something like, um, yeah, I think I wrote something very similar. I haven't looked at it in a really long time, but I remember like I was like on something where I like wrote it down every single day. Right. Um, I have a question for you, though, with that yeah. book, The One Thing. So mm-hmm. because you said it's not applicable to you now, but you said it would be very applicable to somebody who's just starting. That's the point of this podcast is to really try to absolve anybody who's just starting of any preconceptions they have about getting into this business. So what so the part was like, if I understood it correctly, it was just focusing on doing one thing each day is that the idea or what's the idea exactly the the idea yes is basically that it's like hey nobody can be the master of more than one thing right if you Mm -hmm. really want to leave a dent if you really want to like like actually get momentum and make a difference or like achieve something like magnificent or some really big goal that you have you got to decide on one thing right and then like okay and I, i mean i took that to another level right so like for example, like all of our energy, like we get nowhere if we try to focus on too many things, right? And then that goes to like, okay, so if I was trying to focus on real, being a real estate agent and a wholesaler and a fix and flipper, and right. it was just me, I'm not going to get anything done. I'm going to spin my wheels, right? So I was like, okay, I'm going to focus on one thing. And that one thing is I'm going to wholesale. Okay, now within wholesaling, there's so many different things you could do. You can go direct to seller, like you know, as in yeah. me calling homeowners and getting deals. I can go to other JV. I can go to other wholesalers and get their deals. I can call agents. I can do sub two. I can do creative finance. I can try to do cash deals. Okay, well, there's so much to do. What one thing do I want to focus on? I want to focus right. on cash deals. Okay, now within cash deals, how do I find cash deals? I can right. cold call. I can text. I can door knock. I didn't have enough money to do the latter. I didn't have enough money to do PPC. Sure, I could cold call. But what's the one thing that I can do today that's going to get me closer to my deal? I need to go talk to people. The one thing I'm going to focus on is door knocking. So one thing within a one thing within a one thing and say, this is what I'm going to do to get traction and get momentum. And then from there, you can build it out. But you have to decide on what one clear thing you can do every single day that will stack up and build momentum. That, that's I love that's that. the premise. I love that because that's what I do. I'm just not Obviously, I'm not at your guys' level at all yet. But I, that's like what I do is I literally, I'm, I tell people this is like, dude, I am focusing on 
agent outreach, cash deals. I know all about creative financing. I have trouble with creative financing with agents. I think it's a lot harder than if you're just talking to the seller. Sure. You know, I've, I've at least had trouble with it. Um, like to me, it always seems like basically I have to be the agent's last option. <laughs> right. Like, if he like calls you Jonah, look, man, and then you get like the worst deal. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. And then maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. But um, right. literally like that's my plan for this year is basically to just, I'm going to hire, I already have one act manager, going to hire another, then a dispo. And then literally that almost all of that business is not me anymore. At least I'm working on it. And then I can start a new line. So right. I definitely recommend that being like, just stick to one thing. And then once you've got it built out a bit, then you can move on to the next. So I really like 100%. that. And there, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I think a lot of folks hear the little line of millionaires have six streams of income or millionaires yeah. have seven streams of income. Like, man, like you can, you can't make a tremendous amount of traction in seven different things at once. Right. But you focus on one thing, you build it out, you systemize it, you put SOPs in place, right. put processes in place that can run without you, like exactly what you're doing. Right. And you move on to the next one. And it's a natural progression and it happens. But you, the folks that, I mean, I'm sure you've seen in your world, Jonah, the folks that this does not work out for is the folks that try to do too many different things or they hop, yeah. they, they're opportunity hoppers. They're changing from thing to thing or thing, whatever the flavor of the week is. You know? Right. No, it's so true. Um, so keep going. So we're at, uh, you read the one thing you were in Europe, you were, you had gotten that call from pace. You went, read the one thing, came back and then what happened? So came back and, um, I think, you know, like, again, there's so many different places, a lot, so many different ways to get started in this business. I'm listening to Sean Terry, Steve Trang, listen to, you know, all these different podcasts of folks being like, you should send yellow letters or you should send, you know, mailers, or you should cold call, or you should knock on doors, you should do pre foreclosures, you should do, there's so many different things. I'm like, okay, well, again, that book caught me at the right time, because I was like, well, all right, everybody's saying all these things, what's the one thing I want to do? Well, I think I'll focus on foreclosures, because there's a definite timeline there. I ran into some foreclosures while I was an agent. I'm like, okay, um, now what's the, now what's the one thing I can do to reach the foreclosures? I'm like, I can go door knock, I can go get in them. Like, I know that I want to get a deal in the next 30 days, a little side note um, that really gave me the motive, like extra motivation was my wife told me she was pregnant. Right. So I'm like, oh, okay, man. let's, uh, let's really step it up. I'm like, okay, I need, I want to get a deal in the next 30 days. And um, that's what you think I that to. made the difference because you were talking about earlier in this podcast, you were scared of cold calling or at yep. least you didn't want to door knocking, at least in my opinion is even more intimidating because you're like right there. Was it the baby? Like what was that? What changed your why to be willing to just go head in or what, what do you think like changed? Well, I wanted to prove myself more than anything. I mm. wanted to prove myself that I was ready for a change. I wanted to prove myself to other folks that were around me that I'm serious. And I wanted to prove to anything out there universe or what do you say? Like, Hey, I'm here to stay. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to make this happen. I'm not right. waiting for it to happen for me. I'm going to go do it. You know? So that's, that's what cool. I did. I, I went out and started door knocking and does did the baby conversation have an impact? Absolutely, it did. Because I was like, well, it's right, a game well, changer, I bet. It's I'm like, going to be a dad, dude. Yeah, different, get like, over a different paradigm. Yes, get over yourself. Like, and then, like, uh, you know, it's like when the baby number two comes, maybe I'll level up a, 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 another one. You know, who knows? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, like, you know, like that was, that was something really big. So I went out and I started knocking on doors. 
Got my first deal. I JV'd on it with Pace and Cody because I'd already been talking to them. I made 12 grand on that first deal. It took me a little over 100 doors of door knocking pre foreclosures to get that deal. And at that point, I realized that everything had changed. Like I can actually make this work. If I focus on one thing and I do it, I'm going to get really good at it. And like already nat- I can already talk to people pretty, I'm okay at it. So let me do more of this and I'm going to get even better. Cause I mean, the first door is guys, I suck. I was terrible. Right. Cause it is, it's nerve wracking. It's I, I feel like you're right. It probably been much easier to talk to him on the phone, but I knock on the yeah. door and I'm like, hi, uh, Mr. Teller. <laughs> so uh, you're in foreclosure and get the door slammed. We're like, Hey, do you, you know anyone in the neighborhood who wants to sell their house? Right. <laughs> the worst <laughs> things in the world. And they like close the door and I like walk back to my car. I'm like, thank God I'm doing this by myself because that's so embarrassing. That is hilarious. Yeah. How many, I'm just curious, how, how long did that take you to do a hundred doors? Um, like I said, it, it took me about two and a two and a half weeks, two okay, and a half man. weeks. See, that's just like, I love it. And I just, I'm going to say it just cause it's like, that's the power of just pure determination. Cause like a hundred doors, I mean, damn, that's like your door knocking. I mean, that, I mean, how much is that? How many doors is that a day? Right. So, I mean, I kept track right, of like, like, Hey, like I said, it was like over a little, probably closer to about 150. So I was hitting okay. about 10 a day. Um, okay. But like I was, when I say hit, like I was actually talking to people. So I was trying right. to talk. I was trying it wasn't to wasn't the number of knocks. It was the number of like, I'm having a conversation. Right. The doors didn't count if I didn't talk to anybody. Right. right? Like I needed to talk to folks. And like, I got so, like so much better as like a salesperson or just like representing myself or talking to strangers because you got to be fast on your feet when you're at the door. Mm-hmm. I got so much better at it, like from door one to 10, totally different person from door 140 to 150. Like all of a sudden, I'm like, OK, I get this. I know the game. I know what you when you're going to say, like, I got to figure it out. You're working with the bank. I know what that means. I, I've seen it. I've heard it. Right. I'm like, guys, there's something to be said about that. Like, You don't need to wait two or three years for experience. Like you can get it in two weeks. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't take that long. If like, and I, I like even to this day, these years later. I felt like I learned 80% of what I know today during that, those first three months of starting real estate investing. Damn. You know, like, and like so much was, was learned during that period of time. I was like, and then I'm still getting the ROI of that, right? Stepping out and making it happen and taking action because like, yeah, I knocked on doors, got my first deal, made 12 grand. Yep. And mm-hmm. I mean, I went and I talked to Cody and Cody's like, yeah, pull this list and do that. And I got away from the one thing. I hired a VA and we started calling this big list of data and nothing worked. And I almost ran dry again. I'm like, I'm never going back to that life. So I'm going to go back out. I'm not, I'm going to just focus on foreclosures. So my VA that's calling this big list of absentee owners. No, we're just calling foreclosures. I'm going to continue to knock them and we're going to continue to do deals. So I got a deal that August. I got that deal. I got a deal that September. I got two deals that October and then November I did 17. Right. I love it. But it was all from that, right? And I started, I ran Pace and Cody's door knocking team for a little bit, the door knocking team. Um, but like we, we were scaling that and it was like the number one, the sub two deals were laydowns, right? So for you guys that are watching and that's, that's Pace's brand now, no one was pitching sub two for foreclosures at the time. Like this was not anything anyone Weather was down. talking about. Right. It wasn't known or at least as widely broadcasted as it is today. So when I was talking to homeowners and be like, look, I can step in your shoes and we could take over these payments. We'll pay your arrears and still give you some cash. Like if we can do all that, what happens next? They're like, dude, wait, what? We had one. <laughs> I remember being in like one living room with a guy. He's like, 
this sounds so crazy. I just want to be a part of it. Like, you That's know? crazy. <laughs> but like, again, just learned so much during that period of time. And it was just from, from taking action. Like, obviously things have changed since then, but like, man, there, there's just something to be said about just being serious about, I am going to make this work for me and focusing on one thing until you start getting some traction. That way you don't spin your wheels. I think that's something I've noticed in the most successful people, especially like when they're like dealing with struggles at the beginning. I mean, you said you had your struggles being an agent, being an appraiser, where there's like a, a point where the person is like, I, I need to change this. Like something needs to happen that makes life different. Like I can't do this anymore. Like for me, I remember that was like when I was, there was like a point where I had like gotten, I think I got for a while, like I was like a little bit depressed and I had like, uh, um, I was applying for jobs, but I was never meant to have a job. I'm very entrepreneurial spirit. Remember right. I got one and then I was looking at the, like the acceptance letter. I'm like, it can't, it can't end like this. And then like, I started learning about wholesaling and stuff. I just think it's a very common thing. I've hundred percent noticed where there's like that m moment where it shifts about like either making it happen or not making it happen. When I, and I think for people who are naturally born to be this way or like, I believe in myself, you have to have a ridiculous amount of belief in yourself to be like, this is not right. as good as it gets. Right. And like, not everyone in my family is like that, but like, and not to say that I'm better than anyone. Like again, going back to like happiness and, and, and being doing what you want to do and waking up every morning and just being happy. Like that is for some people having the security and having a job and like getting paid and doing the thing. And that's awesome. But like, I'd always been that, kid it was like i was always hustling when i was 13 i was selling stuff i remember like selling my grandma's lamp and she was like so where's my lamp and i'm like well <laughs> you know i took everything down to like the that's yard so funny hey it was like a it was a flea mark of whatever i love that stuff. so, so like, you're purebred you were like you grew up and you were like selling stuff you were like constantly doing stuff to make money always hustling not always the best i'd always ask for forgiveness instead of permission so <laughs> after i sold like the TV that was in the living room. Literally, I did, I did the worst. I did the worst. <laughs> and then, you know, I, I went through that and I got like in a bunch of trouble. I was like, oh, that's gosh, really man. funny, though. I really like that. Yeah. That's, and I mean, I was going to Target as a kid in Walmart and feeling for like the thick packs of the football card because the thick packs have the hits in it. So that's where the most expensive mm. cards are selling those on eBay. Like, look, I was doing all that stuff. So it was just a matter of like just putting yourself in the right opportunity. And then like with real estate, like what better opportunity than selling the most, one of the most expensive things you could buy, right? right. Like what, what better opportunity is that? So like, you know, everybody's built a little different, but like for, for you, Jonah, and like what you're saying is like getting that acceptance offer and, you know, it's like, is this as good as it gets? You know, like I would just challenge you. It's like, what, what is it that you really want? Right. Right. And and asking yourself that question, like where are you at today right now? It doesn't have to be as good as it gets. So no matter how old you are. You can be 90 years old. It, it This does not have to be as good as it gets. So what's your so advice? Sorry. What's your, what's your advice on, we'll end it in 10 minutes. He's got to go to his, his, uh, his kid's party. So oh, we got to, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, um, with, so like what, what's the, cause this is something that I've been thinking about and I've asked a few people what they think in the sense of like, cause there are some people like you and, to me too. Like I did a lot of entrepreneurship when I is as when I was growing up. Uh, but like, what uh, do you like that part? I know has to be just like genetics. Like there's just a certain genetics sometimes with certain people. What do you say to people who maybe like 
you know, aren't like born with that, like, like a grind ready to go, but they also like, don't like their lives and they, and they like want to, and they want to make a difference. Like, what do you have any advice when you aren't like as naturey to entrepreneurship, if that makes sense? Is there like a way yeah. to change the environment or something they can do that would help? Well, I think naturally know thyself mm -hmm. is the most important thing. Um, you don't have to be the crazy out there salesperson who, you know, this was in their blood. Like, I think the biggest thing that's the difference between me and my brother, who's not my way, is I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs will see something as it is, right? And then be like, well, this is what it could be, right? Mm -hmm. This could be so much better, right? This could change. Like, we could do this. We could do that. My brother doesn't have that. He doesn't have the, oh, this, my brother just like, this is just what it is. Right. right. Take it for what it is. So know thyself. And it doesn't mean that you have to be subservient to, you know, working a nine to five job and being unhappy and not making the money you want to make. But know yourself to a point where saying you may not be that way, but you have something that you are really good at, really good at. That's probably better than anyone else. And being like, I provide real value to some organization or something that's in place. There's guys here in our office right now that make more money than most people that they, and they make more money here than what they would if they would go on their own, but right. they're not the number one person, right? They're, as in the right. like number one person in the organization, they're working within the system and playing to their strengths. Like my number one guy in my real estate business right now, like he's like, I don't want to be an entrepreneur. Like I don't want to own my own thing, but like, I love being in this system. I love knowing that every month, like I, I'm going to take home really good money and like, and he's happy and that's what he wants to do. So again, it goes back to knowing yourself and the value that you, that you can contribute to any team or any organization and bringing that to the table. I like that. I like that a lot. So keep going. I keep interrupting you. So door knocking, going back at it, you're door yep. knocking. Then what? Yep. It's slow, slowly building the team out. Right. Um, you know, cause like, we but have you're so working under pace. At this point, or like, what do you like? You say so, door knocking. I was just like a, a fancy. I was like a fancy JV partner, you know, okay. just bringing them deals, working okay. and bringing them deals. Um, and we had a door knocking team that brought them deals. Gotcha. And then eventually, I was like, I was ready to go off and do my own thing because, like, as I was growing, you know, did those seventeen deals in in November and did like fifteen that December. Um, I was like, all right, it's time to start to build this thing up. So, you know, fa I fast forwarded through a little bit of what was happening in the background. While I was door knocking, I told you guys I had a VA. Well, that VA ended up quitting, right? And I was going through a network of people. This The VA that quit, she was really awesome, super sweet. But she just like, yeah, I got other stuff that I got to take care of my life right now. I'm like, no worries. But good people know good people. So tell me, do you have any referrals or do you have anyone in your life that you feel like would be good at what we, you know, in this position? She sent me two people. She's like, yeah, I got this guy, Michael, and I got this guy, Daryl. So, and I'm like, well, which one do you recommend the most? She goes, well, Daryl's probably the more like ambitious of the two. I'm like, cool. Let me interview Daryl. And Daryl at the time he became, well, obviously Daryl was like, now he's been with me for two and a half years. He's done really a lot of awesome things. But when I interviewed him, he was like, yeah, no, I just want to make some more money. I'm working this chat support job. He's in the Philippines. And I'm like, he's working a chat support job. I'm like, cool. I don't have that much money to pay you. So if you don't work that chat support job while I door knock, if you could just cold call and do this, that'd be great. So like, as we were, I was door knocking, we were getting that deal a month kind of thing. That's the pace we were at. Some of those deals closed. I'm like, cool. Do you have any more friends that may want to work? 
He's like, yeah, I got two friends that would come, that would be willing to come to my house and work. I'm like, cool. So I bought like this big oak desk that he put in his living room and we bought like little computers for his living room. And we had these guys coming to his house every day and we went from two to four to six. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're like, we had this little mini call center in his living room that we were cold calling and Daryl ended up quitting his other job and working full time with me when we started getting these deals closed. Um, And he was managing them. Like, so they were in his house and they're, he's like, listening in on the phone calls of what's happening on the cold call. And then he's like whispering to them, like what to do. And he became like basically my first lead manager um, in working the system. Well, we were getting pretty good results from that. And I went off and did my own thing. Like I was doing my own deals and Cody and Pace still had theirs, like no hard feelings, all love. Um, But like they were having some challenges with their cold calling. And I was like, well, my guy, Daryl is freaking awesome. Like, why don't we bring him over to you guys? And like, he can do some consulting and see how he can work with your cold calling team. Well, you know, this is, you know, I said, said I had those 17 deals in November, December, we did 15, January, we were on our way. Um, that February was when I asked Daryl to like consult with Cody on fixing their cold calling system. He worked with them and they started getting immediate results. And then we're like, I think a lot of people could utilize a service like this. I think a lot of people could utilize VAs that were trained that understand like the best practices for cold calling. And are managed by some of our people internally to get like the most out of their cold calling. So that was really the birth of Start Virtual at that point of just necessity for our own business. Like all the offers and stuff that we have at Start Virtual really just came because we needed it for our real estate investing business. Mm -hmm. So like when we're working with real estate investors today and we're helping them, like we've been blessed enough over the last two years to scale Start Virtual to over eight figures, which is awesome. Insane. you know, within a short period of time, because like the thing works, right. And like, we can speak in confidence when we talk to other investors because we were investors first and I still invest to this day. So I can give our people like the best practices and stuff. So, but it all started at that point um, with starting this, this call center VA company on top of our real estate investing company because COVID hit and this was 2020. We're like, dude, I don't know what's going to happen to real estate. Let's really get this call center thing going as soon as possible. Right. So, cause I actually don't know this. Are you, so you're now started this business, start virtual with, um, Cody and Pace, like you're all equal partners on it. Is it? Yep. Yep. And then are you just, cause I don't even know, are you only partners with them in the call center one? Or are you guys also partners in like wholesaling and the real estate investing? So we do some real estate investing together. Um, I have like my own like wholesale operation that I do with my own internal team. Okay. Um, and then, but we do like some fix and flips that come up together or like this office that we're in right now. Uh, we own this one together. So we do a lot of stuff together. Um, but I but think- Start like, Virtual is really like what binds you guys. Right. 100%. Like the Start Virtual is our company that we have together because gotcha. it was me and Daryl and then it was Cody and Pace. And we're like, all right, cool. Let's part. Let's do this thing. I gotcha. So what, what made the difference? Like, I'm curious about this. I love hearing it when people have partners, like what made the, like what made it, where was at that point where it's like, you know what, we should start a company together. Like what value did you get from them? What value? I mean, it it was obvious you had the cold calling team. What value did you get from them? When were you like, okay, I think it would be good to tie the knot. Yeah. So like we had, we had just been doing real estate together for a little while at that point. You know, like I had known him from for about a year at that point. I'm like, all right, these are good people. And obviously, I also see the trajectory, right? I see where Pace is going and I see the stuff that he's doing. And this was like right before Sub 2 started. And I'm like, okay, 
Um, you know, Pace actually almost had sub two with a different company than what he had with the company that currently like runs the program, which was crazy. Right. Um, but I saw what was happening. I'm like, this could be something really special because Pace brings a very unique it's part true. to the partnership of, you know, he is one of the greatest in front of a group of people. He knows how to communicate very, very, very well. And that was naturally his skill set. Like he needed to be doing more of that. Uh, Cody, very good at running the back end. Cody doesn't need the love. He doesn't need the light. He doesn't need to tell he doesn't need people to tell him how great he is. Right. So like, let him do his thing. And then for me, it's like, I can just do the work, right? I know how this VA system works. I know like how to implement the things that were coming from all different places. And like I said, like a lot of times me and Cody spend like holding a net from all the opportunities that come from Pace. We're like, hold on, you know, it's crazy. I love it. Um, but it's like, it was, it was a, it's a good partnership in that regard. So I think it's a matter of, you know, figuring out number one, you got to know yourself and know what value you bring. But number two, you need to know what you're looking for, right? When you have something and you're like, how can this be better? How can we take this to the next level? How can we have a real company? And when you go get a partner, not everyone needs a partner, depending on what you want to do and your goals. But like when we want to take over the world, we need to have some bad people in our corner if we want to take over the world, you know? Yeah, so sure. that was, uh, that's kind of what brought us together on that. I love it. And then, so I know you got to go. So I'm going to leave you with one last question. I like asking people, which mm -hmm. is if you could take you right now and go back to that, to that guy who's, you know, getting into real estate, doing appraisals, or maybe even back to when you were taking photos, what would be like the one thing or one piece of advice you'd tell yourself? I would say do it now, do it faster, get over yourself. You're better than this. Like you're there. These people are no better than you. There's no one out there better than you. There's not some secret trick. There's not some, you know, fancy thing that people are saying or doing or some hidden agenda, like some thing that everyone's keeping behind the curtains. There's, there's nothing fancy. It's just work and deciding what, like just doing that, just doing that one thing, pick one thing, do it, go for it. Stop waiting. No one's going to do it for you. No one's going to care about you the way you care about yourself, but just make it happen because if you don't make it happen, no one cares. And if you do make it happen, no one cares. So like, just do it. I really yeah. like that ending one. If you know, if you make it happen, nobody cares. And if you don't make it happen, nobody cares. That's so true. And how good it is of being like, look, nobody really cares anyway. So you might as well make yourself happy. Dude, 1000%. That's it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right, I'll wrap it up because I know you need to get dinner with your kid and I want to hear how good the dino nuggets are or whatever they're serving at that freaking restaurant for a yes, two-year-old. Yes, sir. Um, I appreciate you, Jonah. Hey, look real quick, man. Um, I think you're doing awesome things. I, you know, I kind of watch you from afar. I see all the cool things that you're doing on this channel. So people should freaking be subscribing to this channel because you have yeah. really awesome guests on, but you're also like a really great leader. And I don't not just saying that because I'm here. But like, for real, you have something really special going on. I'm, I'm, I'm a big cheerleader of yours. I hope you keep going, brother. I hope you keep making it happen. And like, whatever you need from me, just know that I'm always in your corner. And I appreciate you for having me on. Dude, I appreciate that so much. It really means a lot coming from like you and seeing like where you're at, like at the high to like hear that type of stuff. It, it truly means a lot because like, that's my biggest problem right now is like, am I leading my team in the right direction? So means Keep a lot up, you, man. yes sir cool. I appreciate all right you guys. course the fears episode 21 we're out with mad beard thank you so much dude i'm gonna cut it y'all we're gonna see y'all in a week 5 p.m pst thank you my man i will see everybody on next week bye